Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today I'm joined by Jamie Johns, the co-founder of Wise Mentoring and CEO and founder of Sky Accountants. Jamie co-founded Wise to mentor thousands of accounting and bookkeeping firms worldwide. Spread across six countries, Wise helps firm owners to scale, achieve better financial success and build their perfect lifestyle. Jamie also has a team of 35 with Sky Accountants, pushing on 4 million of turnover with the financial planning division, Sky Wealth and Sky Mortgage. Outside of work, Jamie's a pro runner, drummer, hiker and philanthropist. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders podcast, the one and only Jamie Johns. Jamie Johns, fucking good morning, mate. <laughs> Bit of a seven o'clock podcast for, to get your day going. <laughs> morning, Stu. How are you? I'm well, thanks, mate. I'm well. It's great to see you. Looking really well. Yeah, still going hard. Is uh, not getting any younger, but um, so the other day <laughs> I'm aging backwards, so I thought that was a compliment. <laughs> well, there you go. Getting around um, cold old Ballarat over winter. Well, uh, you're still up that way, aren't you? Still in Ballarat, Ballarat Victoria, Australia. Yep. And uh, it's about 700 metres above sea level here. So it's pretty cold at times for Australia, that is. It does get cold. 700, I've got to convert these days. Mm. What are you? Uh, 2,200 feet, all right. So, so there's, it's, it has been known to snow in, in Ballarat very occasionally, right? Yeah, absolutely. It'll snowy every, you know, no, not every year, but, you know, sort of like every two or three years. You'll get snowy for sure. <laughs> you know, summertime, you'll get forty-four de- degrees Celsius. So yes, yeah, no, that that's up there, mate. That, that's a bit yeah. much. No, if it doesn't snow here every year, we're in trouble. You know that we've really fucked the planet when it's not snowing where I live. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We aim for a good, uh, I don't know, forty or fifty inches every year is about where we want to be at least. Yeah. Where are you based now? In uh, Incline Village, Lake Tahoe. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we, we've got about, when it gets as fucking cold as it does in Ballarat, you want to be near somewhere where you can go skiing. Yes, yeah, yeah. Not just put a hill, but dig some dirt and put a hill in the backyard, mate. You gotta, so we've we got we got probably a dozen ski hills within an hour from here, and the closest is about four minutes if you get the green light. Wow, that's amazing. So which state's that in then? So help me out, you've been an Aussie guy. We're in Nevada. Nevada. But, like, I can see California from here more or less. Oh yeah, and the big difference is taxes. <laughs> really, so there's a lot, a lot. Yeah, like uh, it's a thirteen percent tax difference between here and like a thousand meters that way. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. I remember you telling me once. I reckon the the taxes are so different in every state. There, it is. It'd be it, you know, like you guys have got um, employer contributed or contributed payroll tax, right? You know, New South Wales, Victoria. Payroll tax is different. Yeah, here. yeah. But it'd be like that, right? So the equivalent is. Anthony gets his money, and then who's your primary these days? Andrews. Danny. <laughs> then Andrews comes. <laughs> Dan, 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 Chairman Dan. Chairman Dan gets his money not only from the employer, but from the employee as well, right? And so each state yeah. sets their own taxes that they that they raise off the employees, and each state chooses their tax base, right? So California has got no choice. Even though its economies, well, everybody says this. We should do a, a fact check. We don't have any producers on today. We should do a fact check that says is is the GDP of California as big as Australia? Take about twenty seconds to Google, but that's what everybody says, right? And then 
So California chooses its tax base out of the employee base, right? Because that's where its predominant revenue or that's where the predominant GDP is. Nevada chooses its tax base out of the casinos in, in Vegas. Oh, I see. <laughs> so you can see the pressure in during COVID yeah. to keep the casinos open. Otherwise, the whole state goes bankrupt, right? Because it's got no revenue from the employee base. Employee base. Yeah, I see. So every state sort of looks at you know where they get their money from and have a bucket that yeah. Exactly. So Florida, I don't think has, so there's about, oh God, I should, I should fact check this too. Somebody's going to fucking tweet at me and say, oh, you're wrong, you're wrong again. I, I found out some, some people were listening the other day because I was wrong on the podcast oh. and I got told off. <laughs> oh, there you go. That just proves that we have got some listeners, mate. I know. It's not just my mum after all. <laughs> downloading it 8,000 times. <laughs> she yeah, got yeah. sick of clicking the button. But yeah. Anyway, so there, there's some checks that we can do, but I'll, I'll, I'll come back to my misstatements later on. Hey, um, you guys have been flying along. Since I last spoke, you were um, a, um, a well-renowned guru, expert, and thought leader <laughs> in the accounting world and uh, looked up to and uh, whose advice is taken globally through the the wise mentoring program is all that true that's what that's what they tell me i don't know let's ask the audience <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been on a tear what start at the start how did you get into accounting how did you end up here in the first place well start at the start yeah i, I grew up on a farm it was pretty funny it was pretty isolating you know like at a, at, for a people person you know when you're born a people person sitting on a tractor and going around the paddock uh stewart's pretty <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty weird but, but yeah long story short I wanted to be a landscape gardener of all things. Right. Yeah, very true. And uh, I had one accounting teacher who influenced me. And he, he said, uh, you know, no, you should do business. You know, he just, uh, this guy, the teacher just loved business. And uh, I think it was, you know, had the final day, you know, the deadline to put down your results. If you wanted to go to university, what, you know, what course did you want to do? And I had, you know, at the time I had my heart set on um horticultural course landscaping and um last minute the teacher was rex newitt you know you, every, i think everyone might have a teacher or someone who influenced yeah yeah all and he said nah do do business so as, as the dice rolls uh ended up doing you know commerce at uh, federation university like they call it now here and uh got an university and basically failed all the first year well done <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Where was this? Was it? In, is this in Ballarat as well? This is in Ballarat. You, yeah, yeah. So you drank Ballarat out of its, all of its beer in first year college. Yeah. So there's a joke that, um, yeah. Oh, my mates won't listen to this anyway, so I can reuse it. But it's like first year college was the best three years of his life. <laughs> that's right. No, absolutely. And uh, so yeah, that's how I started to get into you know business and commerce and all the things that we do these days and just simply the roll of a dice in a way. So it's all it's all Rex's fault. It's all Rex's fault. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I still see Rex to this day all these years. Oh cool. Yeah. <laughs> he must be super proud. You know, yeah. <laughs> That's how I got into business and um and the rest is history. And then you, you got your shit together, you pulled yourself together and uh passed your classes and, and then what, what was your uh, what was your first job? First job I couldn't get a job. So in Australia here, you know, we had the recession we had to have. You might remember mm. Paul I Keating. Do, I do. Paul Keating's yeah. famous words, yep. Couldn't really find a job. I wanted to go to Melbourne and um, ended up going back to my small home country town 
and I got a job as really a bookkeeper in a small manufacturing company, a furniture company of all places. And um, it's a good little story there, I'll tell you. So when I when I got the job at the um, the furniture company, at the time they had about four or five different programs just to do the you know the monthly accounts. Yep. You had one program to do the payroll. Yep. You had another program to do the general ledger. And then you had another program to do accounts receivable and accounts payable. Hmm. That was a nightmare. <laughs> all, all desktop, all on floppy disk. Yep, all desktop, you know, just the old storage disks and all that sort yeah. of thing. Yep. One day this guy floated in and he had a box, had this little box and I think it was like green and yellow and brings it in and um, he was a friend of my bosses or the directors and he chucked it on his desk and uh, – and I saw then the director picked it up and he, he threw it on my desk and he said, oh, can you install this? He said, I don't know nothing about it. Have a look at it, right? Mm, mm. And turns out uh, that program. I know, I know what that's going to be, yep. <laughs> turns out it was MYOB. Yeah. Yep. We're talking 1995. Yeah. <laughs> MYOB. Send our love to all the guys at MYOB. It hasn't changed that much since then anyway. No, well, you know, I ended up meeting the founders, believe it or not, the Australian founders of MYOB. Um, got, uh, I think I was, I think, you know, in Western Victoria, there was like two certified consultants at the time. <laughs> I was like the second or third one. Well done. There you go. On to a lucrative consulting career with MYOB. That's it. Back in those days, no one really knew much about it. And uh, anyhow, Stu, what happened was I installed MYOB, ended up, I remember after about, Six months or eight months, I went back to my boss and I, I ran out of work. So I literally ran it. I'd get to every, you know, like Wednesday, Thursday afternoon. And because MYB was integrated those days, and um, I can't remember now, it, it might have brought in payroll later. But yeah, I, th- I think it was a bit later on. I'd, I'd, yeah. Late 99, 1990s, I reckon mm. they had payroll, early 2000s. Just the fact that it was integrated with, you know, it would do a profit and loss and a balance yeah. sheet. Yeah. I just literally had nothing else to do. So my boss thought that was great. Then he said, well, can you, you know, back in those days, MYB sort of had uh, a bill of materials, very simple bill of materials and that type of thing. So then I ended up working with a production manager and we started getting the payroll, you know, the inventory in there. And so one year to the day, ended up doing all that. And then uh, I quit that job. And my my first boss, he said, look, just give us one year because he knew that I wanted to go on and do public accounting. But I actually had another mentor at the time, a chap by the name of Peter Fitzgerald, and he said, look, Jamie, go and do a year's uh, in private industry. Go and see what it's like on the client side, you know, on the other side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he yeah, knew Rex, yeah. the other uh, mentor teacher that I had. They both knew one another. So I was always guided by people, I think, when I look back. And uh, so I did I did the year in the, you know, in this job way out in the country, you know, a furniture I just thought at the time, this is the worst job in the world, Stuart. And then, uh, <laughs> but little I knew, you know, I ended up becoming an MYB certified consultant. There was like probably four in Victoria. And then after that year, went and worked in public practice. And from that day, I never looked back. Like, yeah, IT, computers, staying ahead of the game. Yeah. That was always the key, just staying ahead of the game. And, um, you know, when I when I left there and finally got into public practice, um, uh, because I had that NYB experience and at the time in Australia, it was just on a roll, you know, everyone wanted it. And then, as you know, Stu, when GST came in, oh, yeah. like, you know, people were, everyone just wanted to computerise their books. That's all I literally did, you know, for two years straight was just really out on the road, computerising 
all different sorts of industries, clients, getting them off the old paper and uh, getting onto MYB at the time with GST because that was just a nightmare to... So GST was the 1st of July 2000, but then, you know, the the lead up to the, you know, the end of 99 was called, of course, the Y2K buck, right? Like the, That's right. It was a fucking boom for for consultants in oh. in IT and, and <laughs> yeah. there's probably still blokes going around, you know, that, that are dining out on the, on the hourly rate of COBOL programming in... In October 1999. <laughs> really brings back memories now, you know. You're absolutely right. You know, we all thought the world was going to end and servers were going to tip over. Yeah, yeah. There was no flights, remember? Yeah. It was just amazing. And every client, you know, was upgrading, you know, upgrading. And if it didn't have, you know, like the, the four years digits in the yeah, day. Yeah, that's right. You were Y2K compliant. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> we had the tech bubble then, didn't we? Yeah. We did. We did. We did. Absolutely, we did. And that, see what I'm going to do here, you ready? That contributed to the GDP of Australia, which is now, see, do you see that? Yeah. Do you like that? <laughs> so what do you reckon the GDP of Australia is these days? Um, I wouldn't have a clue. Go on, get any guess, go. Give us a number. Oh, it would be a trillion, wouldn't it? Yeah, 1.63 trillion. Uh, we hypothesised that um, California was sort of uh, equivalent. Fucking Los Angeles is bigger than Australia. So there you go. That gives you a one at one point six seven trillion. That's amazing. Yeah. Gives you an idea of the place of, of Australia in the global yeah. economy. But um, we're like anyway, a bleep. <laughs> a little a little blip on the, the arse of downtown Los Angeles, right? Yeah. Amazing. amazing. <laughs> I mean that consulting boom continued for years beyond, you know, the GST is sort of like because mm. there was a lot of people that weren't organized. There were accountants. You remember Zero started in 2006, so there was still five or six years of desktop accounting that was, mm. remember MYOB would fax you every year for your price upgrades? Yeah, and there was a lot of players in the game too. You know, back in those days, there was a company yeah. that I, I nearly ended up working for called CData. Yep, yep. Solution 6, um, yep. all the accounting you know, companies, there's been a lot of mergers and acquisitions. And yep, yep. Remember the old days, there was, um, do you remember Teletax? Um, we used to have Teletax, and I think no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't in the tax. I wasn't in accounting then. The so tax, yeah, well, that, that got rolled into MYV in the in the end as well. Yep. So it was a lot of you know software back in those days for accountants as, as well for their internal systems. You know, so that's right. Uh, uh, APS and mm. as you said, Solution Six, HandySoft. HandySoft. Yeah, it's all come a long way. Like I remember back in the late nineties, you know, I was. Always loved computers, although they were they saved me from uni computers. But I used to use a thing called PC Anywhere. I don't know if you ever remember that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did join me and and it, did, what was your what was your what was your first computer then? My first computer had two mega RAM, nineteen ninety one at uni. That was just an absolute IBM clone. Oh <laughs> yeah, you had the IBM clone. You didn't even start with the Apple IIe. No, my father in law did. He had one of the first apples in Australia, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. Um, Errol and I used to try and get the Mac. Yeah. And the PC, or the IBM clone, as they used to say, to talk yeah. to one another. So the, what we're doing now, we, we tried to test that for 10 years. You know, we're always trying different software and things. And I was talking about this with a, I don't know which order the podcast is going to come out, so this might sound strange, but um, there's mm. another guy from Iris of all places. We're reminiscing about the invention of IP and TCP IP. I remember coding in C+. Yeah, C plus plus, like actually sending bits in in eight block bits. Yes, 
from one machine to another so you could see and that fucking geez i won't, I won't get laid ever if i can't if i say things yeah if that's my my college life right but um did you ever go to pc meetups did you ever you know illegally swap games and all of that to yeah not really into the games and that type of thing but i was always fascinated by rem remote stuff like trying to do what we do these days right yeah. now or on zoom or whatever and this is back in the late 90s, you know. Yeah. I was more into remote, you know, how could I remote into a client's computer and control nice. it? Yeah. And so this is even in the 90s and yeah. um, just come so far since then. But, yeah. And all the, um, I mean, the difficulty back, back then was the, ver the ver like the versioning through the 2000s of MYB and QuickBooks. You're, there was, you're only ever in one camp, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd walk around town with, 17 different versions of MYOB because you never know which one your client had. Yeah, funny to say that. When So when I, um, in the late 90s, Stu, when I got the job, finally got the job in public practice, see, I obviously lived in this small country town. You know, there wasn't that many people, but the local university, they had a job going after hours of teaching, you know, people out in these small, distant, small towns how to use Quicken. You know, yeah, quick right. Book, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, I applied for this job and uh, come with a car and the money was great, you know, because yeah. like, no one else really wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I ended up getting the job. So I'd work my normal day job nice. and then, you know, go home back to the farm, have have dinner, and then uh, I'd jump, go to the local sort of university. It was just like a branch. And uh, I'd grab a car and in the boot, there was a bit like 20 laptops, which are like bricks. <laughs> Yeah. Back in those days, they were like bricks. They, they were, were massive. huge, yeah. They were huge. And so I'd jump in this car and I'd whip out, the, you know, go like 60K out to a small local hall, you know, like yeah, a traditional. Yeah, yeah, like a little commuter, like the local RSL or something. Like that, <laughs> yeah. And then so I'd open up the boot and I'd get all these laptops out and, you know, sure enough, all the local farmers would rock up and the small business people who ran the corner shop and the butcher and the baker. And, and, the, and the candlestick maker. That's it. And that all come. <laughs> And so I did this for a couple of years. I'd just teach people Quicken. So Fantastic. I'd like to talk about all the versions, Quicken, QuickBooks, yeah. MYOB, because they'd choose what course they wanted through the university. I just had to deliver it. That was a really good experience in IT, bookkeeping, and implementation and helping people. So it's all experience. Fantastic. Yeah. And that all that all laid the stage for, or laid the groundwork for everything that came later, of course. But um, yeah. when did you sort of start getting the idea of your own practice, and how did you sort of pick up your first client, and what was that journey like? Yeah, look, I think it's in your. I think if you start your own business, it's pretty much in your DNA. When I, if I look back now, and you know, like every generation that I look back, probably both on my my parents' side, they all had their own business. They're all like you know, farmers and way back, um, you know, I think, you know, when you go with the great, 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 you know, one of my, the first settlers, like, had his own pub or, or the inn, as they call it. Was <laughs> the a inn, job. yeah, the corner inn, yeah. You know, so I think it's just in you to be self-directed and, and to have your own business, if you like. And for me, that was, you know, I was about 30 at the time. I'd had quite a few jobs at this time. So I'd, I'd sort of done a bit of everything. As I said, I'd worked in the furniture company the private industry and then i'd done i'd worked for some small public accounting firms and then when i came to ballarat actually ended up working for the largest firm in ballarat you know at the time i think it was maybe about 
20 accountants and the GST would come in. Yeah. My role was to teach all the other accountants how to use the software yeah. with GST. With G- yeah, it was so important that everybody was books were yeah so digital right yeah so that sort of I suppose training and teaching and consultancy type of thing uh, rolled on and then sure enough I wanted to start my own business so I think I had like one client that I just what actually happened was I wanted to build a brick fence at my house it's a true story so um, uh, rang a couple of people and I finally got onto a bricklayer and. Uh, this guy's name was Pete Lanane, and Pete turned up at my house and, you know, and this fence I wanted was massive. <laughs> so he said, look, you've got to have these foundations, all that sort of thing. So sure enough, you know, being off the farm, my dad come down and we we actually dug the foundations by hand. Yeah, yeah, poured them yourself, yeah. You sure that you borrowed some bloke's backhoe and just knocked it out. <laughs> we did it. We did it by hand and... and the bricklayer turned up and he freaked out. He's going, oh, yeah, you, you guys crazy. are fucking crazy. <laughs> this would have been a lot easier. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, it's a long story short. Pete turned up and the bricklayer, you know, built this wall. But halfway through building the wall, he said to me, Jamie, he said, look, I've, I've had this dream about selling sunglasses. And I said, oh, really? You know, like from bricklaying to selling sunglasses? Like that's right, a okay. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah. He said, I want to call it, there's a rack. On the front, a wrap yeah. and the wrap at the back. Yeah. I said, oh, I said, what's the go with the wrap on the back? And he said, well, it's not. He said, it's a billboard. And I said, oh, that's pretty interesting. And he goes, yeah. Well, and then sure enough, he gets on the phone. And long story short, this guy can talk. You're right. He's a bricklayer. Yeah, yeah. Pete the bricklayer. Yeah. The bricklayer. And he ends up getting a deal with Bunnings Australia wide to supply. <laughs> Every to supply wraparound glasses for, for bricklayers with a billboard yeah. on the back. With the Bunnings. With the Bunnings, you know, the green Bunnings strap. Bunnings is, um, oh, I guess, like Walmart. Walmart is closest, <laughs> yeah. So sure enough. <laughs> for our uh, this Northern Hemisphere. But both people are listening up here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my first client. So I used to go, you know, so what I used to do was really win-win, you know, give a lot. And uh, so I'd go over Pete's place and have beers and we'd have pizza and then, you know, while we did that, I'd set him up on NYB and get his books working, and yeah, yeah. and he's still a client. You know, twenty years later, and uh, and we're still best friends. Yeah, and uh, he was the very first client I had, the bricklayer who hit it big with Bunnings, and uh, he went on to great things, Pete. But um, amazing, really. So that was my first client. Tell me what Pete's up to these days. Has he got an empire or what? He still has his business that virtually just sort of runs without himself in a, an obscure warehouse doesn't even have the sign out the front you yeah. wouldn't even know and supplies sunglasses to all bunnings all over australia uh, overseas as well uk yeah he spends most of his time in bali and cairns mm. you know just does what he wants really so <laughs> what a lot that's that's so aussie i love it <laughs> you know he's from ballarat so he doesn't like the cold too much yeah no fair <laughs> enough i get it <laughs> so yeah and then i think you know he's um distribution so he imports you know he imports from overseas and then distributes the uv UV wraps and straps, it's cool. You can look it up and distributes all over Australia and overseas and um, everywhere. How good is that? I, lo- I love those stories that for guys like you and, and, and nearly nearly every single one of our, our uh, customers has a story about Pete the Bricklayer and the journey that Jamie and Pete have gone on to, you know, throughout their lives and, and helped each other and, you know, just experience that journey together is so special and, and we we love it. We just absolutely love yeah. 
how those moments come about are quite funny, but but also the impact that each other for, in each other's lives is is just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I think uh, you got to be sort of open to the universe in that sense. So yeah. you know, I just I said Pete, you know, as soon as he had that idea, is on the phone, and you want. No, he, he didn't know how to do his books and all that. So I said, oh, I'll, I'll help you, mate. You know, so yeah, yeah, I'll help. yeah. Don't do a dude over a few beers and, and away you go, right? And just to finish that story, Stu, is like in Ballarat, everyone knew Peter. He yeah, was just a talker, you know, he was the bricklayer that just talked. And so I, I wasn't from Ballarat, right? So, you know, once I started working with Pete, the clients, the people he sent to me was unbelievable. Like, he that's just, it. He'd say, no, no, go and see this guy, you know, and, yeah. and that's how I got business through Peter, Pete Lenane, the bricklayer. You still probably owe him a commish. Probably do. <laughs> you're your referral. You know, he was just the typical guy that would, as he, he'd say, sell sand to the Arabs and snow to the Eskimos. He, that's he'd it. talk any, anyone into anything. Good on him. Yeah. So my, my son, who's four, just can't get enough of bulldozers and front loaders and trucks and fire engines and and everything right and and you'd be driving down the road and uh and you'd say oh look uh, archie look 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 it's a bulldozer he said no dada that's a front loader he's very specific about his construction machinery very specific yeah yeah and then so earlier this year we had um the real privilege of um staying overnight with the Australian Chamber of Co- uh, the San Francisco Australia Chamber of Commerce event at um, Skywalker Ranch which is where George Lucas wow. has built out his um, sort of hospitality area and and all of this it, it's, it is it's just phenomenal it's, it's, we're really lucky if you were building Skywalker Ranch what would you put out the front of you know where, where the valet area is and where you greet everybody who would you put there in a statue there's only one choice right? There's only one choice. There's only one choice you could possibly put there. And it's not Luke. It's not Princess Leia. But it's, so it's, of course, and it's not Chewie. And it's not Han Solo. So it's it's Yoda, obviously. And I say to Archie, well, we're going to go and see Yoda, buddy. We're going to, you're going to get to see Yoda. And he goes, is it a front Yoda or a back Yoda, daddy? <laughs> He's thinking excavation. <laughs> He's thinking excavation, not, not Star Wars memorabilia. <laughs> it's funny you say that. It reminds me of what uh, Bill Gates said. Bill Gates said you should end up doing what you can't put down from the age of like ten to twenty. Yeah, that's... and uh, it's funny when I, you know, when I used to go with my dad on the farm, you know, on the truck to the silo over the week, you know, I'd, I'd be I'd be into books, Stu, on you know uh, business and success, and in the wheat truck and the old wheat truck, and my dad would be looking. So, what are you what are you reading that for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and that not, not going to help you up here, mate. You'd <laughs> be thinking, well, it's not going to help you drive the tractor. That's right. That's right. You know, so it's it's something he said. So this you fucking hay's not going to shovel itself. <laughs> nah, well, you're sitting there reading your book. That's mate, right. So, so you know what Archie will end up doing then. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He can. It, well, maybe he'll act for. Uh, he'll be in a George Lucas movie, so that'll be right. But uh, no, he. I think every four year old goes through their construction phase. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so you set up my ob for Pete the bricklayer, and uh, he's now GST compliant. He's sending his bass returns to uh, to the government and yeah, and paying his way. And um, you pick up a couple of more clients around Ballarat, and and then all of a sudden you you've got twenty staff on your hands and and working a hundred hours a week. I bet. Yeah, pretty much. Actually. <laughs> 
before I actually leaped out on my own, I went and worked uh, for the local hospital. Yeah, right. So I did a one-year stint as the finance manager in the hospital at the time, and they have big budgets. It had, it had, I think it was twenty million turnover, and I think that's like probably eighty million now. <laughs> yeah, fair in Ballarat is yeah. fair, fair whack. So I, I did a stint just to see in in the government sector then to see what that was like. Oh fuck! At the same time, that's where I was like just starting out growing a public practice. You see. And, uh, man, I hated that. Oh, I didn't man. like that job. And uh, that was an experience in itself. But all experience is good. So, uh, yeah, but started my own accounting practice. Then pretty quickly uh, realised that I needed help. Yeah. Once I hired staff, yeah, I was working seven days a week there. And, um, well, as these days, you know, my mentor, Ed Chan, brute force. Yeah. Ed is called it just brute force. And so I yeah, – that was where I was – you know, born from, like that was like my dad, you know, like that was just in me that um, you want to get ahead, Jamie, you just you just work hard. Yep, yep, <laughs> that's it. And then I honestly ended up in hospital just from the stress and being tired. Yeah. And uh, ended up in hospital and found out I had a thing called labyrinthitis, which was basically I lost my balance. So my inner ear on one side with my immune system getting down, I got a virus and that attacked my inner ear. Yeah, man, I was out. I was out for like four weeks and I couldn't stand. Jesus. Yeah, it was a bit scary at the time. Uh, but it was simply from, I think, you know, looking back now, just prolonged stress. Yeah. Just it's not – stress isn't good for you. Little bits are good. They make you perform well. But when it's prolonged, yeah. not good. So I really had a sort of a wake-up call then and then I really started a, probably a personal or professional journey of trying to work, you know, trying to find a coach or a mentor or someone who could say, well, you know, this is how you do it, mm. you know, because you can use every technology in the world, but the hardest thing, Stu, was trying to be manage people. It was tough, yeah. like manage people, you know, find good staff, keep good staff, um, and how to scale. Yeah. I'd got to about um, a million dollars in turnover, had a couple of good guys, but just kept hitting that ceiling and then, you know, staff would leave and you'd go back, you know, like you'd yeah. almost a bit yeah so I, I reckon mate i had every every coach i could find in australia on <laughs> and uh name all the names you'd know them all <laughs> yeah and that was a whole journey itself yeah what was the thing what was the thing in the end like was it was it your health sort of the the scare in hospital or was was there a moment that you're like well a you know this is it fuck this i'm out of here or it was that moment yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah one time i lost three staff Two accountants and I think the receptionist in like three months. Yeah. And then I thought, nah, fuck it. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. And, I, and, then, I was, and then I was going to ring the local. Um, years earlier, the firm that I worked with up in the country town where I was born, they had a small satellite office. And back in those days, it was called Bird Cameron. You might have. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, I'll just ring them and see if they want to buy, you know, the clients, the fees I got. And I'll roll into them. Actually thought that. Yeah. As it turned out, I, I ended up thought, no, I'll give it another go. So I rang the local university and uh, one of the lecturers who I was sort of mates with, and I said, have you got any good graduates coming through? And he said, yeah, I've got a person coming through. And turns out it was a young girl who'd just come from Sri Lanka. So she came from Sri Lanka to Australia. She, she'd won a scholarship oh, cool. to the Fed Uni. I ended up ringing Aruni. You know, I had to get the time zone right because she was in Sri Lanka. Yeah, yeah back there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, still works with us to this day. Oh, how cool. So, Aruni, this is a funny thing, right? So, Aruni started, who was a, you know, an accounting graduate, 
you know, still trying to struggle with English a little bit. And uh, she was my receptionist. <laughs> so I didn't care, mate. She was my receptionist. And Good. then she became an accountant. Good gatekeeper for a bit and, and great practice for her for her English. And <laughs> yeah. So I had that moment where, nah, thought I was going to sell. I'd had enough and uh, just lost lost the staff and then, and then just kept going. And, um, you know, I think there was two motivators for me. One, as a kid, I always had, you know, bigger dreams of just doing something with myself or, you know, I think everyone sort of probably has dreams when they sit down and sing about it. Hmm. But the other motivation was just the, the slog and the pain that things can be better, you know, because, yeah. you know, at the time, I remember when I got crook, I just had a young family, mm. been married not that long, mm. a couple, two, three years. You know, I thought, well, something's got to change because yeah. if we wanted to have more kids, how am I going to have the time? And just, yeah, it was just like a dead end. You know, all I could see was sort of a dead end, I suppose. And so, so motivated by both. One is the, the vision of trying to grow a bigger firm and do something. And the other one was just the pain. Just yeah. like how do I get my life under control, yeah. you know, and not be controlled by the clients? Yeah. Because you want to help people and everyone listening, no one really ever wants to knock back a new client. It's like the best thing. It's like the adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. Especially for, no, no offence to the industry, but accountants aren't the greatest sellers in the world. You know, that you've got these clients that are coming to you begging for you to do work. You can't, you're can't. you not going to say no, right? Like nah, <laughs> typically, you know. typically. Not, not naturally, anyway. <laughs> not naturally, no. Nah. And the thing is, you know, like people need help with their tax. Like it's illegal not to do your tax. <laughs> most, most countries, most countries. <laughs> most countries. But you really don't have to advertise. You know, if you refer- I, I grew like 20% year on year in the early days because I'd simply return phone calls and emails. Yeah, well, that, uh, that, yeah. anybody who did that was going to pick up the client. Yeah, that was the thing. So, um, you know, I used to talk to people and uh, that's what used to happen. So. So there, there were there were the two motivators to to try and scale, you know, do something better with myself in that process. So yeah. So you went through that moment. I mean, I you know, like I I, I empathise, right? I think a lot of I don't want to generalise too much and fuck it up, but I think a lot of Aussie men of our generation, you know, perhaps a little bit wiser. Hopefully, you know, like hard work, yes, is always more or less part of success. But there's a determination that it's like, well, I've come this far. Like I've I've <laughs> I've done eighty percent of it. I can't look myself in the in the mirror and go, oh, well, I just gave up. Yeah. I mean it's just it's just not point of no return. Beyond the point <laughs> of no return and, and it's just not in our nature to it's almost a matter of pride and stubbornness. Mm. You know, perhaps to the point where you probably could have made better decisions along the way mm. and uh, and got out earlier. But, um, you know, we find ourselves sometimes in those situations. It's like, well, there's no, I've gone beyond, as you said, I've gone beyond the point of no return and i just got to keep going until I come out the other side and, and uh, I'm sure you relate and I'm sure, you know, you would have seen that in your clients. And in a small town, in you know, you'd have ag clients that are affected by climate, you'd have restaurants affected by COVID. I mean, mm. fuck, it's hard. It's hard going sometimes, right? It's really hard going, I think, until you, until you sort of find out that work out the formula. Yeah. That was probably what it was for me, and that's you know I guess why we're sitting here talking today was that the biggest thing for me was mentorship. 
And in the end, you know, I went, I went through a lot of coaching companies, you know, I even did a, like a, I remember at one point I did a life coaching course just to try and work out what I wanted to do. Yeah. My just, career. yeah sure. you know, I, and then it sort of, it honestly all sort of most of it, all of it changed then when I met my mentor, who you know well, Stuart, has probably been on here, Ed Chan. Yes, no, we, we've, uh, Ed, Ed and I go way back and he's, uh, yeah. I think he's uh, early on in our podcast career. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So yeah, when I when I met Ed at a workshop, I um I just reached out to him after the workshop a couple of days, and um, sure enough, uh, you know, I sort of thought, well, this guy will never respond to my email. You know, I think at the time he probably had ten offices, and yeah. I think the combined group was like twenty million turnover or something. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I emailed Ed, and I thought, oh no, he he won't respond to me. <laughs> you know, sure enough, two hours later, you know, got a response from Ed. Yeah, there I, you go. I'll consider. Yeah mentoring you jamie you know well, i'll need to interview you first for an hour or whatever and that it mate from that moment once i um once i started listening to ed and then applying exactly what he said everything changed it all just clicked for you right you just needed that glue to bring it all together or, or, or whatever metaphor you want to use <laughs> yeah it just uh well ed had, you know ed was an accountant yeah yeah oh yeah we, a true, a true, true, true yeah, accountant. <laughs> he started his own firm from home. Yeah. So he was the same as me and like probably most of us, you know. So, mm. you know, and he'd scaled up, you know, and he'd, he'd written a couple of books on it. So, you know, Ed was just the real deal. You know, ever since then I I found out what I love to do. And, you know, as I say, Stu, you find out what you love to do, mate. You'll never work a day in your life. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So, yeah, so, that, so then that journey continued on. You know, these days, Sky Accounts, you know, we almost, turnover is almost about four mil. Uh, we have, we do, um, you know, a lot of virtual bookkeeping, mm. you know, accounting, tax, compliance. Uh, we have, you know, financial planning, Sky Wealth as a division, and then, you know, Sky Finance or, or the mortgage broking side. So everything changed then. And I probably work about one day a week at Sky yep. as the CEO. And then the rest of my time or passion really is just wise as well. And, you know, just I love landscaping. I've got some properties and stuff. So I just love the freedom mm. that that gives you. And then not only that, you know, helping grow wise now. Yeah. And scale, and then, you know, continuing to scale sky as well. It's just, as I said, I just love what I'm doing these days. I think for me, life really just, life really started at 50. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. It only took me 50 years to get there. But That's right. you got 50 to go. You can use the first half for the back half. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's like, oh, shit, life's actually just started. Yeah, no, good. <laughs> so, good. Tell us about Wise Mentoring and and where that's up to and, and who it helps and give us the spiel. Yeah, so what happened was after, I think it was, it was only supposed to be one year of mentoring with Ed and then I, I just enjoyed it so much and such got good results out of it for myself. That went on for three or four years with that mentoring piece. And then, and then after that, I sort of felt, well, it's, Probably not much else I can learn from the guy's brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a download. You sucked it all out, yeah. <laughs> That's it. And then I think a year, we must have had a year rest or 18 months, and then Brenton Ward, who was a friend of mine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wardy, who lives in Ireland now. I was going to say, he's in Ireland, yeah. Yeah, Aussie guy. I came up with the idea with Brenton. I said, well, how about we take everything that I've learned from Ed and all my experience and Brenton's experience and get it on the internet. So that's what we did. So we ended up. You know, just starting with a DIY masterclasses are very popular these days, aren't they? I yeah, looked, yeah. Looked it up somewhere in the other. It's an enormous billion-dollar 
industry masterclasses. So we just basically developed an 18-step masterclass for accounts and bookkeepers, which we call Wise Pulse these days, mind you. Uh, it's just fully online, and it's a series of videos you can watch, Stu, and just go through and to help you scale your firm and teach everything that, that I learned from Ed and and when it's on the internet. Pretty broad distribution, hopefully, if you do spend 10 minutes on your SEO. That's it. Yeah, so, and then... What happened was we had a lot of firms in different countries uh, reaching out to us say, can you do the one-on-one mentoring? You know, we hadn't thought about that. And then um, so we just started to kick that off with a group coaching type arrangement and the pandemic hit, mm. right? So Good timing. Yeah, good timing. And then uh, we thought, oh, what are we going to do now? So then we, you know, then we pivoted and went to, to Zoom and, and developed the whole one-to-one mentoring so much more over the last two or three years. And then that proved to be more popular than the face-to-face stuff. Yeah. So wind, wind the clock forward now, you know, we've got our own mentors as well. So yep. they have their own firms. Part of their sort of initiation to be a mentor is to have your own firm and to go through the WISE mentoring course and community and program. And so, yeah, we're really off. We offer sort of end-to-end mentoring right from that DIY, like the masterclass, right through to the one-to-one monthly board meetings and helping, you know, firm owners in both accounting practices and bookkeeping practices throughout the world. Um, how to scale their firm so which has just been an amazing journey because it's funny when I look back now you know for me uh, an Australian guy to jump on a to think now I'll jump on a call with you know an American firm owner or in the UK or Singapore or Canada and they're all got the same problems that's like yeah 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 there's some regulatory differences around the edges but but the professional services right. issues re- always remain the same, right? Like it's it's the always same. pushing out great work, helping great people yep. at an economical rate with a journey that you enjoy and a, and people that you like working with to make a profit. Mm. I mean, it's, it's as fucking easy as that, isn't it? Except it's just not. Yep. <laughs> it's t- there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that goes into it. So that's why I was mentoring today. I think we've got about, I think we've got about, 16 17 staff and i think from about seven countries as you know there's um, one girl claudia works from santiago and chile and they've got people in new zealand and the philippines india so it's really <laughs> that's good yeah so it's um been such a, a really happy journey and then you know of course the, the, the founders of wise venaria ed chan myself and benton ward so um and then yeah i think in about a the other exciting thing we've got on the on the forecast there Stu, is um a new app so they're bringing out their own Wise Hub um, application, yep. which is essentially, essentially the core of what we teach, but it, it's a tool that will help any firm scale, yep. successfully scale, which is the really difficult yep. side of it. You know, and, and when I say scale, I mean scale sustainably, not doing 100 hours a week. Yeah. So we're sort of really looking forward to that as, as coming up as well. Well, if there's anything that uh, we can do to help, we're always here to do so. I know Sky has been a, a long-time uh, supporter and, and contributor to Carbon Content, and for which we're forever grateful, obviously. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, so um, that's where we're at these days. But um, one of the probably things to note that I think is a big issue at the moment is um, accounting firms everywhere are trying to find talent, trying to yeah, find staff. Yeah, yeah. So about 18 months ago, I created a, you know, a division of WISE called WISE Talent. So it was probably 15 years ago, Stu, I did a, a course out of the US called Top Grading. That's a really good story, this one. Top Grading was cr- created by a couple of brothers, I think, but one of them right. was Brad Smart. And um, <laughs> Brad Smart went and worked or helped Jack Welsh at General Electric mm-hmm. do his hiring. 
So out of that process, you know, like Jack Welsh is an absolute legend in America, I think, <laughs> generally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, So their hiring mythology was what they called top grading. So I really took the concepts of that hiring process and um, re-engineered it to apply to accountants, our, our industry, you know, accounting and bookkeeping. And so with that re-engineering, we started Wise Talent. Mate, and in the last 12 months, we've done 100 hires. Yeah, right. Four firms all over the world to help them find staff mm. and recruit them. And then we, we built a whole system of actually how to find people in that mentoring sense because – Let's face it, mate. If you're if you're going to grow your account, you're going to be hiring for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that. So that's been really exciting as well. And then, um, so I've got a full time person, careers based in the Philippines, and then uh, another person here in in uh, Australia. And all they do is just work. So we'll, we'll help people find offshore staff. Yep. Or even local staff in their own neighbourhood. Yep. That's a big problem at the moment because unemployment in Australia is like at a lifetime low. I think, and yeah. you just can't. You can't get started. Even with it, it's a weird economy at the moment, isn't it? Even globally, like inflation and interest rates are, are, are skyrocketing. Aussie currencies yeah. are fucked, and yet there's you can't find somebody to pour your coffee, you know, like or, or work in your accounting firm or yeah. mow your lawn. You know, like the job market's so tight that um, there's, there's so little flexibility in the economy. You're right. And it's one of those times where you really got to improvise. Yeah. If you want to sort of stay ahead of the curve, you really have to improvise and adapt. And, you know, my last hire was just from Sri Lanka. Yep. You know, going back 10, 15 years ago, I spoke about a Rooney, but come full circle, yeah, last yeah. hire. Was, <laughs> if you watch the news, Sri Lanka's collapsed. Yes. You know, like their, their economy's collapsed. So. Yeah, there's people out there. You, you do have to be flexible in in the way that you yeah. structure your organisations. And this last person I found, Stu, was on Upwork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so. No, I get it. I get it. I mean, as much as you want to be, you know, mindful and and supportive of the local economy, and whether that be Ballarat mm. or, or Reno here, or or I mean, Incline Village, like we, we can barely keep it. I mean, this story is not uncommon. We can barely keep a restaurant open here. You feel like you've got to eat out. As a local, you know, three nights a week just to keep the the local restaurant, the, lo- the local economy ticking over. You know, it's really yeah. Well, the hard thing is you can't even find staff in That's Australia. Right. Like every, That's every, everyone's here. got a job. Everyone's got a job. So, and then people are leaving for like ten and twenty grand pay rises. Like, I, I you know, it's going to look pretty shit on their LinkedIn in ten years' time. But uh, you know, that they'll just job hop and and move around because it's fucking easy, right? Like, oh, well, yeah. You know, so mm. not always for a greater challenge or better lifestyle or better. Yeah. It's just, it's in a weird way, it's a real employee's market still. And it, in particular geographies, especially. I've had discussions with, um, you know, we work with um, LinkedIn Recruiter oh. as part of Wise Talent. And um, we had a, you know, a chap that I knew, that Brenton knew in the UK. And it's the same way. He said that, you know, and then discussions in you, it's, it's, it's basically the, it tends to be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, this problem. That's sort of something you now, I suppose, is a problem. You just gotta try and overcome it. Yeah. So Well, Jamie Johns, hey mate, I, I, I'm looking forward to this all week. Thank you so much for uh coming on the Accounting Leaders podcast. Let's do it again and uh let's not leave it so long between drinks, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we can uh come over and see you there too, mate. We had that on the plans before the pandemic hit. So. Yeah, right, let, let's get it back on the drawing board. Come for a ski. Yeah and uh, where you can put the real cold weather to good use. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Jamie Johns, you legend. No worries, mate. Catch you later, mate. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com slash resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.